Okay, so here we go. This is Ink Heart, written by Cornelia Funk. And I think you'll like it. It's like adventure with a bit of uh, fantasy going on, a bit of mystery, a bit of everything really. And um, so yeah, here we go. First chapter, chapter one, A Stranger in the Night. It starts off with a quote from uh, L.M. Boston from the book The Children of Greenknow. And it writes, The moon shone in the rocking horse's eye and in the mouse's too. When Tolly fetched it from under his pillow to see, the clock went tick-tock and in the stillness he thought he heard little bare feet running across the floor, then laughter and whispering and a sound like the pages of a big book being turned over. L.M. Boston, The Children of Greenknow. Rain fell that night, a fine, whispering rain. Many years later, Maggie had only to close her eyes and she could still hear it, like tiny fingers tapping on the window pane. A dog barked somewhere in the darkness, and however often she tossed and turned, Maggie couldn't get to sleep. The book she had been reading was under her pillow, pressing its cover against her ear as if to lure her back into its printed pages. I'm sure it must be very comfortable sleeping with a hard rectangular thing like that under your head, her father had teased, the first time he found a book under her pillow. Go on, admit it, the book whispers its story to you at night. Sometimes, yes, Maggie had said, but it only works for children, which made Mo tweak her nose. Mo. Maggie had never called her father anything else. That night, when so much began and so many things changed forever. Maggie had one of her favourite books under her pillow, and since the rain wouldn't let her sleep, she sat up, rubbed, her, rubbed the drowsiness from her eyes, and took it out. Its, page, its pages rustled promisingly when she opened it. Maggie thought this first whisper sounded a little different from one book to another, depending on whether or not she already knew the story it was going to tell her. But she needed light. She had a box of matches hidden in the drawer of her bedside table. Mo had for forbidden her to light candles at night. He didn't like fire. Fire devours books, he always said. But she was 12 years old. She could surely be trusted to keep an eye on a, a couple of candle flames. Maggie loved to read by candlelight. She had five candlesticks on the windowsill and she was holding the lighted match to one of the black wicks when she heard footsteps outside. She blew out the match in alarm. Oh, how well she remembered it, even many years later. I knelt to look out the window, which was wet with rain. Then she saw him. The rain cast a kind of pallor on the darkness, and the stranger was little more than a shadow. Only his face gleamed white as he looked up at Maggie. His hair clung to his wet forehead. The rain was falling on him, but he ignored it. He stood there, motionless, arms crossed over his chest as if that it might at least warm him a little. And he kept on staring at the house. I must go and wake Mo, thought Maggie. But she stayed put, her heart thudding, and went on gazing out into the night as if the stranger's stillness had infected her. Suddenly, he turned his head. Maggie felt as if he were looking straight into her eyes. She shot off the bed so fast the open book fell to the floor, and she ran barefoot out into the dark corridor. This was the end of May, but it was chilly in the old house. 
There was still a light on in, Mo in Mo's room. He often stayed up reading late into the night. Maggie had inherited her love of books from her father. When she took refuge from a bad dream with him, nothing could lull her to sleep better than Mo's calm breathing beside her and the sound of pages turning. Nothing chased nightmares away faster than the rustle of printed paper. But the figure outside was no dream. The book Mo was reading that night was bound in pale blue linen. Later, Maggie remembered that too. What unimportant little details stuck, stick in the memory. Mo, there's someone out in the yard. Her father raised his head and looked at her with the usual absent expression he wore when she interrupted his reading. It was always... It always took him a few moments to find his way out of the other world, the labyrinth of printed letters. Someone out in the yard? Are you sure? Yes, he's staring at our house. Mo put down his book. So what were you reading before you went to sleep? Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde? Maggie frowned. Please, Mo, come and look. He didn't believe her, but he went anyway. Maggie tugged him along the corridor so impatiently that he stubbed his toe on a pile of books which was hardly surprising. Stacks of books were piled high all over the house, not just arranged in neat rows on bookshelves, the way other people kept them. Oh no, the books in Mo and Maggie's house were stacked under tables, on chairs, in the corners of the rooms. There were books in the kitchen and books in the laboratory, books on the TV set and in the wardrobe, small piles of books, tall piles of books, books and thick and thin, books old and new. They welcomed Maggie down to breakfast with invitingly open pages. They kept boredom at bay when the weather was bad, and sometimes you fell over them. He's just standing there, whispered Maggie, leading Mo into her room. Has he got a hairy face? If so, he could be a werewolf. Oh, stop it. Maggie looked at him sternly, although his jokes made her feel less scared. Already she hardly believed any more in the figure standing in the rain, until she knelt down at the w again at the window. There, do you see him? she whispered. Mo looked out through the raindrops running down the pane and said nothing. Didn't you promise burglars would never break into a house because there's nothing here to steal? whispered Maggie. He's not a burglar. A burg burglar? I cannot say that word, I apologise, replied Mo. As he stepped back from the window, his face was so grave that Maggie's heart thudded faster than ever. Go to bed, Maggie, he said. This visitor has come to see me. He left the room before Maggie could ask what kind of visitor, for goodness sake, turned up in the middle of the night. She followed him anxiously as she crept down the corridor. She heard her father take the chain off the front door, and when she reached the hall she saw him standing in the open doorway. The night came in, dark and damp, and the rushing of the rain sounded loud and threatening. Dustfinger, called Mo into the darkness. Is that you? Dustfinger? What kind of name was that? Maggie couldn't remember ever hearing it before, yet it sounded familiar, like a distant memory that wouldn't take shape properly. At first, all seemed still outside, except for the rain falling, murmuring as if the night had found its voice. But then footsteps approached the house, and the man emerged from the darkness of the yard, his long coat so wet with rain that it clung to his legs. For a split second... As the stranger stepped into the light spilling out of the house, Maggie thought she saw a small furry head over his shoulder, snuffling as it looked over out of his rucksack and then quickly disappearing back into it. Dustfinger wiped his wet face and his sleeve 
Dustfinger wiped his wet face with his sleeve and offered Mo his hand. How are you, Silvertongue? he asked. It's been a long time. Hesitantly, Mo took out his outstretched hand. A very long time, he said, looking past his visitor as if he expected to see another figure emerge from the night. Come in, you'll catch your death. Meggie says you've been standing out there for some time. Meggie? Ah, yes, of course. Dustfinger let Mo lead him into the house. He scrutinised Meggie so thoroughly that she felt quite embarrassed and didn't know where to look. In the end, she just stared back. She's grown. You remember her? Of course. Meggie noticed that Mo double-locked the door. How old is she now? Dustfinger smiled at her. It was a strange smile. Meggie couldn't decide whether it was mocking, supercilious, or just awkward. She didn't smile back. Twelve, said Mo. Twelve? My word! Dustfinger pushed his dripping hair back from his forehead. It reached almost to his shoulders. Meggie wondered what colour it was when it was dry. The stubble around his narrow-lipped mouth was gingery, like the fur of a stray cat. Meggie sometimes fed with a saucer of milk outside the door. Ginger hair sprouted from his cheeks, too, sparse as a boy's first beard, but not long enough to hide three long, pale scars. They made Dustfinger's face look as if it had been smashed and stuck back together again. Twelve, he repeated. Of course, she was... let's see, she was three then, wasn't she? Mo nodded. Come on, I'll find you some dry clothes. Impatiently... As if he was suddenly in a hurry to hide the man from Meggie, he led his visitor across the hall. And Meggie, he said over his shoulder, you go back to sleep. Then, without another word, he closed his workshop door. Meggie stood there, rubbing her cold feet together. Go back to sleep? Sometimes when they'd stayed up late yet again, Mo would toss her down on the bed like a bag of walnuts. Sometimes he chased her around the house after supper until she escaped into her room, breathless with laughter. And sometimes he was so tired he lay down on the sofa and she made him a cup of coffee before she went to bed. But he had never, ever sent her off to her room so briskly. A foreboding, clammy and fearful came into her heart as if it, along with a visitor whose name was so strange, yet somehow familiar, some menace had slipped into her life. And she wished, so hard it frightened her, that she had never fetched Mo and Dustfinger had stayed outside until the rain washed him away washed him away. When the door of the workshop opened again, she jumped. Still there, I see, said Mo. Go to Meg, Meg. Go to bed, Meggie. Please. He had that little frown over his nose that only appeared when something was really worrying him, and he seemed to look straight through her, as if his thoughts were somewhere else entirely. The foreboding in Meggie's heart grew, spreading black wings. Send him away, Mo, she said, as he gently propelled her towards her room. Please, send him away. I don't like him. Mo leaned in her open doorway. He'll be gone when you get up in the morning. Word of honour. Word of honour? No crossed fingers. Meggie looked through him, straight in the eye. She could always tell when Mo was lying, however hard he tried to hide it from her. No crossed fingers, he said holding both hands out to show her. Then he closed her door. Even though he knew she didn't like that, Maggie put her ear to it, listening. She could hear the clink of china, so the man with the sandy beard was getting a nice cup of tea to warm him up, 
I hope he catches pneumonia, thought Maggie, though he didn't necessarily die of it. Maggie heard the kettle whistling in the kitchen and Mo carrying a tray of clattering crockery back into the workshop. When the door closed, she forced herself to wait a few more seconds just to be, so, just to be on the safe side. Then she crept back out into the passage. There was a notice hanging on the door of Mo's workshop, a small metal plaque. Maggie knew the words on it by heart. When she was five, she had often practised reading the old-fashioned spindly, spindly lettering. Some books should be tasted, some devoured, but only a few should be chewed and digested thoroughly. Back then, when she still had to climb on a box to read the plaque, she had thought the chewing and digesting were meant literally, and wondered, horrified, why Mo had hung this on his workshop door with the words of someone who vandalised books. Now, she knew what the plaque really meant, but tonight she wasn't interested in the written words. Spoken words were what she wanted to hear, the words being exchanged in soft, almost inaudible whispers by the two men on the other side of the door. Don't underestimate him, she heard Dustfinger say. His voice was so different from Mo's. No one else in the world had a voice like her father's. Mo could paint pictures in empty air with his voice alone. He'd do anything to get hold of it. That was Dustfinger again. And when I say anything, I can assure you I mean anything. I'll never let him have it. That was Mo. He'll still get his hands on it, one way or another. I can tell you, they're on your trail. It wouldn't be the first time. I've always managed to shake them off. Oh yes? And for how much longer, do you think? What about your daughter? Are you telling me she actually likes moving around the whole time? Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. It was so quiet behind the door that Maggie secret scarcely dared breathe in case the two men heard her. Finally, her father spoke again, hesitantly, as if his tongue found it difficult to form the words. Then what do you think I ought to do? Come with me, I'll take you to them. A, cump a cup clinked, the sound of a spoon against china. How loud small noises sounded a silence. You know how much Capricorn thinks of your talents. He'd be glad if you took them to him of your own free will. I'm sure he would. The man he found to replace you is useless. Capricorn. Another peculiar name. Dustfinger had uttered it as if it was a mere sound might scorch his tongue. Maggie wriggled her chilly toes and wrinkled her cold nose. She didn't understand much of what the two men were saying, but she tried to memorise every single word of it. It was quiet again in the workshop. Oh, I don't know, said Mo at last. He sounded so weary that it tore at Maggie's heart. I'll have to think about it. When do you think his men will get here? Soon. The word dropped like a stone into the silence. Soon, repeated Mo. Very well. I'll have made up my mind by tomorrow. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Oh, I can always find a place, replied Dustfinger. I'm managing quite well these days, although it's still all much too much. Although it's still all much too fast for me. His laugh was not a happy one. But I'd like to know what you decide. May I come back tomorrow? About midday. Yes, of course. I'll be picking Maggie up from school at one thirty. Come after that. Maggie heard a chair being pushed back and scurried back into her room. When the door of the workshop opened, she was just closing her bedroom door behind her. 
Pulling the covers up to her chin, she lay there listening as her father said goodnight to the Dustfinger. And thank you for the warning anyway, she heard him add. As Dustfinger's footsteps moved away, slowly and uncertainly, as if he were reluctant to leave, as if he hadn't said everything he'd wanted to say. But at last he was gone, and only the rain kept drumming on his wet, its wet finger. Oh my god, right. But at last he was gone, and only the rain kept drumming its wet, wet fingers on Maggie's window. When Mo opened the door to her room, she quickly closed her eyes and tried to breathe as slowly as you do in a deep, innocent sleep. But Mo wasn't stupid. In fact, he was sometimes terribly clever. Maggie, put one of your feet out of the bed, he told her. Reluctantly, she stuck her toes out from under the blanket and laid them in Mo's warm hand. They were still cold. I knew it, he said. You've been spying. Can't you do as I tell you just for once? Sighing, he tucked her foot back underneath its war- the nice warm blankets. Then he sat down on her bed, passed his hands over his tired face and looked out the window. His hair was as dark as moleskin. Maggie had fair hair like her mother, who sh- she only knew from a few faded photographs. You should be glad you look more like her than me, Mo always said. My head wouldn't look all good on a girl's neck. But Maggie wished she did look more like him. There wasn't a face in the world she loved more. I didn't hear what you were saying anyway, she murmured. Good. Mo stared out the window as if Dustfinger was still standing in the yard. Then he rose and went to the door. Try get some sleep, he said. But Maggie didn't want to sleep. Dustfinger? What sort of a name is that? she asked. And why does he call you Silvertongue? Mo did not reply. And this person who's looking for you, I heard what Dustfinger called him. Capricorn? Who is he? No one you want to meet. Her father didn't turn round. I thought you didn't hear anything. Good night, Maggie. This time, he left her door open. The light from the passage fell on her bed, mingling with the darkness of the night that seeped in through her window, and Maggie lay there waiting for the dark to disappear and take her fear of some evil menace away with it. Only later did she understand that the evil had not appeared for the first time that night. It had just slunk back in again. That's the end of chapter one. Chapter two soon. The next chapter is called Secrets. Hope you enjoyed. Adios.